really don't understand, do you? Hey, man, don't you realize in order for us to make this thing work, man, we've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushers and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean. Hey, look, nobody's pushing me anyway, okay? I mean, not you, not the cops, nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushers, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. Oh, come on, John. Can't you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? We got to come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Hey, look, nobody's closing me out of my business. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Black Vocracy, where we try to bring you helpful, insightful information that you can use in your daily lives. We want to thank all of our listeners out there. It just uh, came to me that we got listeners over in Africa now, as well as in Germany. I found that to be quite uh, very surprising. But I want to thank uh, any and all uh, who stopped by to listen to this podcast, Black Vocracy. Today, I want to cover something that a lot of people uh, who's not aware of this regarding uh, this Juneteenth. They talk about Juneteenth uh, being the day that the slaves here in Texas found out that they had been freed. And actually... And let me make a quick uh, correction on something. Most people think that the slaves in Texas was the last to be freed, but that's actually is a is a is a wrong fact. Actually, it was Kentucky and Delaware. The only reason why Texas get the uh, credit, so to speak, is because they had more black slaves who had been freed. But it was actually Delaware and Kentucky. Okay, I just wanted to make notice of that. And talk about today's topic, which is the title, The Real Emancipation. You know, nearly 35 years prior to Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation for Freeing Slaves in 1863, the government of Mexico had already freed slaves that was brought into Texas by white American settlers in 1829. Now, that's, that's a little bit of history that they don't ever tell you about. I'm going to say that again. The Mexican government had already freed slaves that was brought into Texas by white American settlers in 1829. And this is what led to the Battle of the Alamo, where Mexican general leader Santa Ana led an onslaught in San Antonio in March of 1836. Now, American settlers in the West, they responded by asking the United States government to intervene by sending them weapons, you know, that ignited the war for Texas. Where the Mexican army was later defeated by Sam Houston and his Texas troops in San Jacinto. Why am I not surprised at this? Because this is what America does. Spread its imperialism on someone else's sovereignty. And if you recall... Texas was annexed into the United States Union as a 28th state in December of 1845. So, like the country of Africa, the people of Mexico allowed those early American settlers to come in peacefully. Cultural and legal differences is what led to the war with slavery being one of many issues. 
Mexico attempted to modify the situation by allowing slaves to become skilled workers for up to 10 years. However, these white slave owners was intent on keeping perpetual thraldom intact. But now here's the crazy thing. It seemed as though the people of Mexico had more disdain for slavery than many blacks held in Texas. And I'm kind of reminded about a year ago a statement Kanye West made. It seemed like being held in captivity for 400 years was a choice. I know people went up in arms about the statement, but when you think about it, when did the black people ever fight for their own liberation? When? You fought for his liberation, but when did you ever fight for your own liberation? And I'm going to cover some more of that just to make this make sense of where I'm going with this. The real emancipation. Perhaps it was because of their original migration across the Bering Strait during the Ice Age period before everything was broken up and separated. The Mexican people, nature, understood that it was wrong to own another human being like many rational thinking people would. And they chose to do something about it. Once the peace ended, Mexican authorities began prohibiting white settlers from entering to Mexico around 1830. They didn't even want them down here no more. They didn't want them down because it seems like every time you go somewhere, there's a disturbance. And we can still see that today. This was all the plundering needed for their government land expansion to come in and begin hijacking someone else's resources. Again, we still see that today. I am fully aware of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo signed in February 1848 that ended the Texas War, as well as the Gasson Purchase in 1853. However, I can hardly concede that $15 million for all land in California, Nevada, and Utah, and most of Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, and Texas down to the Rio Grande as fair dealing. Also, the $10 million in the gas and purchase for southern Arizona and New Mexico was certainly a royal in the model. <laughs> Look that up. E-N-E-M-A-T-A, in the model. <laughs> the money, or one should say blood money, was to indemnify the invasion and loss of lives on someone else's sovereignty. That's why they gave up the 10 to 15 million dollars. They were trying to indemnify for what they did on these people's sovereignty. Of course, this has been a common theme throughout history, like the reparations paid to Japan for dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, as we spoke about in the previous episode, and Nagasaki. Also, as I spoke about on another episode of Black Democracy previously, the Berlin Conference in 1884, when world leaders came together under the guise of Ottoman von Bismarck, the Iron Chancellor of the German Empire, to figure out how to divide up the resources of Africa. This was unacceptable to the people of Africa. Nevertheless, 
the invasion proceeded. John Perkins, in his book, Economic of a Hitman, details the strategic planning on how he and other government agents working for the United States International Development contractually indebted other countries. So now the fight for Texas was a fierce battle. One that Stephen F. Austin, whom the capital of Texas bears his name, the leader of the first American settlers in Mexico, did mostly nothing to discourage this government-sponsored takeover. I guess the 4,430 acres each settler was to receive for less than $200 wasn't enough. They wanted the whole damn thing. The years of studying the Battle of the Alamo, I now wonder why didn't all the black slaves, this is a very, very good question, why didn't all the black slaves join the Mexican army to help defeat the American troops? Think about that for a second. You have someone who's fighting on your behalf to see that you're liberated, but you help American troops fight the opposing people who want to see you free. <laughs> Boy, they have done a number on African-American people mentally. And I know it starts with the God concept. See, that's, what, that's the number that they did. The God concept. You put a white image in front of a man, when he closes his eyes, you tell me what you see. If you still see that white image, then he still has you mentally locked up. How? How, how, how could they, after being born free and then enslaved, not fight for their own commercial interests and liberation? I can only come up with one answer. Fear. And it was fear due to the God concept, as I just mentioned. Because everywhere this ideology of a white savior as a God traveled, at some point it dominated. That country and the people of color was relegated to a minority position. And think about this for a second. Why haven't America been able to dominate Asia or Arab countries? Simple. It's because they never accepted the European white God concept. Montezuma, who's the emperor of the Aztec Indians, uh, allowed Hernan Cortes to come in thinking that he was a white god. By the time Mexico gained its independence from Spain in 1821, the damage had already been done. So through the Spanish Inquisition, the Spaniards were able to sell this mental stronghold by using Roman Catholicism to a nation of people whose religion was, was nature itself. So that's how Hernan Cortes was able to come in against, against the Aztecs, the Mexicans. They used the God concept through Roman Catholicism. Forced religion is, is, is like not having any religion at all. If it's forced, it's, it's not like having any religion at all when you force it on someone. And that is what Spain did to Mexico. Even today, in Juarez, Mexico, 
There's a very tall statue of a white man with his arms spread open as if he's the savior. And I used to see this statue daily from my dorm room window while attending University of Texas El Paso, uh, known as U UTEP. At that time, I really didn't know a lot about the history of Mexico. I would look over at the Rio Grande River borderline in amazement because you're looking into a whole nother country only separated by the Rio Grande River. The thought of a whole country being that close to the United States was very thought-provoking for me. I had only understood part of Texas history as it related to the Battle of the Alamo. However, years later, I would discover that there was much more to this mystery. Mexico was once a very wealthy country with all its gold and riches and minerals and resources. It was truly the land of enchantment. In fact, Mexico City became known as a black man's paradise during the early 1900s. Blacks and Mexicans married interracially long before it was permitted in the United States. And it had a fair legal system. It was said that former President William Taft, uh, he tried to persuade President Diaz of Mexico to halt and execution of a white man for killing a Negro. Who claimed now. he Who claimed that he was protecting his white supremacy. Get that for a second. Taft was trying to convince the president of Mexico. President Diaz. To halt an execution of a white man. For killing a Negro who claimed that he was protecting white supremacy. <laughs> However the judge in the case stated. Mexico is a country for every man. Therefore, you will be shot. <laughs> and this is my sentence. <laughs> oh, man. You talk about justice. You take a life because you're trying to protect white supremacy. And President Diaz was right. It should be applauded. So they executed him because of his theology. My reason for pointing this out is to raise your horizon and conscious level while pondering this question of what if all blacks at that time would have escaped master's plantation and traveled west as opposed to going north and ended up in a free welcoming country such as Mexico. Because everything was about freedom was going north. But why didn't you go west into Mexico? Perhaps history, as we know it today, will look a lot different. And African Mexico, if you will, would have been a superpower country. Blacks would have been defending Mexico and today's border would have been built to keep poor white people out. Think about that for a moment. But nevertheless, fear. Because fear is such a strong emotion for most people. And it was heavily being used against black people. I truly believe had African Americans not bought into the European white God concept. While becoming uh, iconoclast and destroying these mental pictures. They could have changed the course of history. They could have changed the course of history. Like in the movie Back to the Future if y'all recall when Marty McFly traveled back in time. And he carries his dad to beat up the big bully Biff. 
By overcoming his fears, George McFly was able to change the course of the McFly's future generations. This should have been the mindset of every black person, not just a few. God had already explained who he was in the sacred scriptures and never once did he say, I'm a white man or any man for that reason. In fact, Jesus, peace be upon him, said God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and what? Truth. Again, if God gave it, a cow show can't save it. I do believe that slaves could have altered the course of history if not for fear and the God concept. God Most High gave slaves their early freedom through Mexico. Now, I'm not suggesting that every slave could or would have made it to Mexico. However, surely God created more than one star in the sky other than the North Star. And it seems as though every slave's GPS was pointed towards Philadelphia or somewhere on the East Coast. Reason this for a moment. The state of Mississippi, as well as Tennessee, is a lot closer to the Texas border than New York or Pennsylvania. Nevertheless, slaves continue running into the problem as opposed away from it. Had they checked the registry, they would have known that those northern states were still a part of America. And government enactments was doing everything they could to see that runaway slaves was being sent back to their masters, i.e. the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. I believe Mexico was prime real estate for slaves to rebuild their lives while expressing economic interests with the common people who felt the spirit of humanity. We're going to pause and take a break and we'll be right back. Okay, and welcome back. Let us continue with this episode of the real emancipation. So the Mexican people are very family oriented and the act of procreation is never lost upon them. And likewise, African-Americans are too. While remembering that old ancient proverb that said it takes a village to raise a child. However, the difference between each race is the unity Mexican people was able to maintain while keeping with their own language, customs, traditions, and country. African Americans wasn't so fortunate. White American settlers did a masterful job in keeping poor thinking blacks locked up mentally 
with their white God concept. Nevertheless, whenever opportunity presents itself, it's important that we seize the moment, something that we didn't do. So, blacks allowed a golden opportunity to slip away to enjoy early freedoms. Not taking up arms with Santa Ana and the Mexican army to combat oppression only showed the lack of courage that some blacks had. Whenever you're going up against an army, you need a military, not just of a few people. You need a military full of courageous individuals. And if you're on the right side of freedom and justice, then God will be all the armor you need while preparing ourselves sensibly. Twice did God give African-Americans the opportunity to free themselves from bondage before the turn of the 20th century. Of course, the first was after the Civil War, as I mentioned earlier, when slaves were emancipated and left to rebuild the South before being uh, brought under the 14th Amendment through all walks of life. That was the first time God gave us an opportunity to be really, truly free. And then by the war of Texas, where God Most High was pointing African-Americans toward the land of enchantment, somewhat like the story of the guy who was stranded on an island. He prayed to God to rescue him. Some of y'all recall this story he was sent every means of transportation a car a boat etc however the man was expecting something different again if god gave it a coward can't save it i'm not sure had black people became citizens of mexico if a black democracy would still have been needed but i do recall seeing a documentary years ago about a group of Af afro mexicans living in Gaspar Yanga, Mexico, who was descendants of African slaves brought in by the Spaniards during the 1500s. Gaspar Yanga was a slave who led a revolt against the Spaniards. Therefore, the town was resurrected in his name. This small group of people have assimilated into Mexican culture while forgetting their past. However, their amnesia was by free freedom of choice. Something that wasn't always affordable to African slaves. But there have been reports where these Afro-Mexicans are starting to come around while gaining a political block after experiencing racial bias from the Mexican government. Now, now this is happening because why? Money. Commerce has influenced Mexico to do business with the United States. But back then, there wasn't no racial bias. Okay? So, now you see these things happen because the the uh, influence of money. Now, regardless of this, I'm still proud of the Mexican people for showing an interest in the welfare of black people by emancipating them in 1829. So, it wasn't 1863 for blacks living in Texas at the time, or, or, or should I say Mexico, pardon me, uh, where 
they had already be, been emancipated, the real emancipation. And unfortunately, this little unknown piece of information oftentimes gets dismissed whenever discussing American or Texas history. Having been born in Dallas, Texas, I can say that many African-Americans living in this city is not even aware that we were emancipated by the Mexican government long before 1863. And now, in the age of border patrolmen and wall building, I think it's important that we show our support in helping good law-abiding Mexicans enter into the United States. If not, then we're no different than those early American settlers who came to Texas still wanting to oppress and keep people from advancing their lives. But we can only accomplish this through unity, strength, and courage while standing on the principles of a black democracy and knowing that if God gave it, a cow can't save it. Of course, years later, or much, much later, this country would inaugurate its first African-American president of the United States in January 2009. And this historical election or, or selection, depending on who you ask, will start to have been the incarnation from these wise words sung by George Clinton of Parliament who said they still call it the White House but that's a contemporary condition too. As time passed it became evident that not much had changed. If you look at the situation that African American people are in today not much has changed not if we're honest with ourselves not much has changed and i'm reminded recently having a conversation with two friends of mine and i found the conversation to be how can i put it quite interesting i'll just say it for that because there's two schools of thought and no matter what your position is, at least know that there are two positions or two schools of thought. And I was listening to the radio the other day and the commercial came on and they was talking about vote a straight ticket democratically. And I said to myself, how can you tell someone to vote a straight ticket democratically if they don't know what all the issues are? Knowing what I've been able to learn for over these 32 years of studying what I've been studying, it has become very, very uh, uh, aware uh, that I don't even know if we know half of what's really going on when it comes to economics. When it comes to the business model here in the United States. And so I was questioning. Why not just give a person the information and let them choose that information for themselves without being 
so indoctrinated. I mean, when you start placing stigmatisms on yourself, you won't see anything any other way other than how you see it. And many of us suffer from a theory of cognitive denizence. That's a psychology uh, legal term. Cognitive denizence, meaning that a lack of disagreement, no matter what a person says, you automatically regurgitate it mentally. You, you automatically, you know, it doesn't line up with your previous uh, uh, disposed position. So you automatically reject it. And I was sharing with the individuals, I voted Democratic. That's all I've ever done. I haven't voted in a lot of elections, but the elections I have voted in, I think that's what I was doing. Because I actually voted for an individual under Clinton that locked away thousands of black men. And I look back on that. How foolish was I? I have a friend of mine named Greg Lewis that's still gone today in the federal system that needs to be home. Should have been home. Nonviolent, nice guy, always smiling. So, yeah, so I made the wrong choice by not understanding the issues. Again, I think. Far too many times we fall into a to a popularity contest. Oh, I just I don't like the way he look. Oh, he just seems like everything come out of his mouth. He lies about. And I'm sitting there going. Now I hear the same thing about the other opponent. This man was a racist back in the '70s. This man led the judicial system to lay down the foundation to have blacks locked up. And didn't do anything about it because he was back on with Clinton in the 90s. Now, all of a sudden, I'm supposed to believe that side. Again, it doesn't make me any difference. You know, when those who talk about uh, Trump. And if you're African-American, if you're going or voting for him, then you're not black. I find that to be uh, insulting, very insulting to my intelligence. I know exactly who I am. I have my name to show it, to prove who I am. I know my last name. Do you know your last name? See, I left Master's Plantation years ago. But you still wear the name of your master. So, again, I've stated on several occasions, I could care less who's in the Oval Office. I really can. I don't, I'm apolitical. Apolitical, meaning I don't take part in politics any longer. I have something bigger that I strive for. But I'm only pointing out several things because this has been an ongoing issue. And people become emotional. And they're really right because they believe that the truth is in their eyes. Without really thinking about the issues itself, looking at it. Through observation and then join their conclusion. Now, if you've done that and you know what the issues are and you still lean right, 
or left and you make your decision based on that, then God bless you. I'm just only here to say as African-American people, we need to get understanding. You can't shut down the economy or you won't have an economy. You won't have jobs. You can't raise it up on the, those who founded the company and who, who's hiring employees because if the business is slow and they're not getting the patrons coming in, then they got to fire the people that they just gave a, a raise to. This is just common sense. And people need to take their emotions off the table. Again, I, I support black democracy. That's what I support. I support self-help is the best help. I'm my own president in my own country. Many of y'all don't get that because you think that a country has to be set up by articles and a, an incorporation and so forth and so on. But when I'm talking about country, it's on a whole nother level. Whole nother level. So, again, when we talk about the campaign back in 2008 on Yes We Can, it became more like, no, we didn't. Because once again, millions of black people found themselves still dreaming and chasing this dream. I mean, truthfully, what was the real change? I mean, was it, was it Obamacare? Maybe for some. But for many blacks, this was not the real victory they was hoping for. And myself personally, my personal story, I wouldn't be here right now today speaking with you on this podcast because I wasn't supposed to be released until December the 2nd. And I watched for eight years, eight years. <laughs> this individual did absolutely nothing for blacks that was behind that wall. He didn't even have the decency to go see former mayor Kirkpatrick when he was in Oklahoma, when he visited Oklahoma to pull him out of the cell and at least talk to that young brother. Because that young brother did not bankrupt Detroit, the city of Detroit, on his own. That stuff was going on way before he came into office. But you see, the Trumps, the Bushes, all these individuals, they let their friends out. You talked about, you know, uh, black men was AWOL. And I perked up and was listening during the time of this town hall, town hall speech, wondering, okay, exactly where are we then? If we AWOL. Couldn't you not have brought back federal parole with an executive order? You didn't need Congress. I don't want to hear nobody tell me about, well, he couldn't get nothing done because of, no, no. He's over the executive branch. They took federal parole out in 1987 on the Ronald Reagan with an executive order. And he could have brought it back on the executive order, but he didn't do it. Because the council, the secret council, didn't want him to do it. Because it's a big money-making operation. But what he did do, he supported the LGBT community. He supported same-sex marriages. But y'all say we'll turn and look the other way on that. Those bills and crimes bills prior to that helped destroy 
the black community. And y'all know this is a fact. That's why women today have struggled the way they have. We continue to look for a savior when we should be saving ourselves. Looking within ourselves, looking within that superior talent that we possess. And I'm just saying, because let's be honest, after eight years of the Obama's administration, exactly what did it leave the black community financially? I mean, did we become bank owners? Did we start owning grocery stores, hotels, restaurants, or even being allowed to participate in major city retail developments? Instead of asking him how many jobs, which means just over broke, was he creating that included African-Americans? Why didn't we just ask how many millionaires or billionaires were being made within the African-American community? And please, spare me the emotional tears that the Republican Party didn't want to do business in the House of Representatives. I don't accept that. In fact, both parties were bipartisan when it came to their agenda supporting a rich bailout. During the economic downturn in 2009, they both got on board with that. Why? Because commerce has to exist. By now, we should all understand the political games played around black people. And for those of you who are sitting out there listening to this and, and, and wrestling with the concept of this, it's not that hard. Very simple. All you have to do is ask yourself, do I have more money in my bank account today than I had 10 years ago? Or heck, five years ago. And if the answer to that question is no, then you got some work to do. Can't depend on government all the time. We have much work to do. We was... Great builders during the Reconstruction era, and we was great builders in ancient civilization, and we will continue to be great builders in the future. I think that rich bailout and during the economic downturn was nothing but dirt in our eyes of all the American people. It was just another money panic caused by the international bankers. But again, where was the poor striving rich bailout? Yeah, I know. Be patient. Just wait on the Lord. This is black people's anthem for everything. Meanwhile, the robber got away again. I believe many African Americans have long overused this excuse to justify their unwillingness to achieve greatness while concealing their fears. I think George Clinton's songs Paint the White House Black for me was more than a statement aimed at political awareness. His words meant vindication, recognizing that the White House represented more than a place of presidential residency, but also a legislation body where business is conducted. Did you get that? His words meant vindication recognizing that the White House represented more than a place of presidential residency. It also is a legislation body where business is conducted. 
This has a symbolic gesture on all levels. A White House or any house for that matter where business is being conducted represents a commercial establishment. And ideally, houses are stationary objects that's not meant to be transported. Therefore, this White House establishment or concept will always reside within the 10-mile square of the District of Columbia. But since the contractual agreement, meaning the uh, United States Constitution, that allows government to regulate interstate commerce, their long economic technical stretches over into every sub-political units dubbed the United States. Just notice the word interstate. Exactly what is the policies of the United States entering? Of course, the states. I am fully aware that the quorum for business takes place in Congress. However, the business of white privilege is also conducted at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., the White House. And that's where the chief executive officer or president of the United States Corporation resides. As long as the White House stays painted white, the original intent behind the White House Constitution will always remain intact. Black democracy. So again, I'm not going to accuse anyone who voted for Biden, many of you have, and I already did it early. I'm not going to accuse you uh, cooning for Biden. So don't accuse other African-American people if they choose to go Trump way. I'm only pointing these things out. I have no dog in the fight. That's for y'all to play with. That's for y'all to play around in the sandbox. I'm out of the sandbox. I understand what they're doing and what's going on on a higher level. So y'all continue to play in the sandbox. But I just get tired of hearing what I think is retardation in the intellect of black people when we sit up here and we go through the same changes over and over and over again. As I said before, continuing to do the same thing over again is insanity. If you're expecting to get a different result, have the result been different? Only you know the truth to the answer. If you're not lying to yourself, and this is not in scripture, and all thy truth be true to thyself. So again, if you've never, never voted on the right, and you've only voted on the left, and it don't matter, you go in blindly and you close your eyes and you just straight, without ever hearing the issues, now I can see why blacks will fight for the American troops, the ones who was holding you down under slavery when the Mexicans wanted you free. This will conclude another episode on black democracy. Again, we thank you for listening. Be safe. And as always, keep God first. don't understand do you hey man don't you realize in order for us to make this thing work man we've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushers and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean hey look nobody's pushing me anyway okay i mean not you not the cops nobody man i mean you want to get rid of the pushers i'll help you but don't send your people after me oh come on
John, can't you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? We got to come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Hey, look, nobody's closing me out of my business. Thank you for tuning in on episode seven of Black Vocacy, The Real Emancipation. This is November 19th, and we thank you for all you listeners for joining us once again on another episode. Enjoy.